This is WTF What the Foot Radio Podcast, the podcast to tune into and learn all about feet in the news, entertainment, sports, and healthcare. You want to know the truth? We will give you the truth. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Dennis Timko, the Foot Guy. You are listening to my What the Foot Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody, today at What the Foot Radio. We're going to have a great podcast today, an exciting one. Um, Now that you heard my good old foot rant, we're going to continue on and talk about uh, minimalist shoes and how um, the new trend for runners are to run almost barefooted versus wearing uh, the uh, normal type of shoe gear that uh, runners would normally run with and that the trend is now uh, aiming toward almost barefoot type of running. And I'll give you a good uh, idea of what the positive and minuses of running barefooted or with these minimalist type shoes. Also, we will talk about our sport uh, uh, podcast and we will also talk about in our section on sports and professional athletes is Kobe Bryant of the Los Angeles Lakers and Achilles tendon ruptures in professional athletes and how I believe that is going to be extremely hard for uh, Kobe to return to his normal uh, activity level at that um, professional level of game uh It will be extremely hard for Kobe Bryant to return to his uh, high elite level after a injury on the Achilles tendon in April of uh, 2013. So here we go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Dennis Timko here at... What the foot radio and today I'm going to start out with a little foot rant and one of the things that kind of bugs me all the time as a physician and as a small business owner of a medical practice is the constant hounding from patients and from people outside of the practice about their bill and everybody when they see a doctor or a medical visit of some sort, whether it's your examination for your MRI or your x-ray or you go to the hospital and you you get admitted and you have tests and labs, everybody that sees a patient and gets a bill from a doctor's office will get an explanation of benefits. In other words, it's called an EOB. And an EOB will come from the insurance company. And so this is how it works. A doctor sees a patient, the patient gets treatment, the doctor bills the insurance company and puts down certain codes. The codes correlate to what the doctor did and have diagnosis codes that go along with the procedure. Or just if it wasn't a procedure, it was just a visit, the doctor can charge for the visit or both the visit and the procedure. So once this bill gets to the insurance company, the insurance company processes it and then sends a EOB to the patient 
and as well an ERA to the patient's doctor. So the EOB will state what the doctor charged, what the doctor is allowed to make, which is a contracted amount that the insurance company and the doctor agree to. And then it also shows the adjusted amount, which is the amount that the doctor has to write off because if he charges a little too much, the contracted amount makes the doctor reduce his cost and his charges to make it fair, which is why the patient accepts the contract of the insurance and why the doctor accepts it. And then it also says how much the doctor makes or how much the doctor receives. And so the patients always, always seem to contact us and get upset when they're upset about a bill it's always about the charges it's never about how much the allowed amount is or how much the doctor made or didn't make sometimes the charge goes to the deductible and the doctor makes zero and the patient owes the money so this is the problem and from a recent activity I met with a very high-end government employee who kind of bugged me in the sense that they were not really sure about these charges and allowed amounts and payments and adjusted and they appeared to seem that the charges were what we make and that is not true and people need to understand that doctors these days are not making all the money it's the insurance companies that are taking the money so that's what I have to say and that is our foot rant for today so here I am Dr. Timko at what the foot radio and um, doing our episode 5 and uh, I've got a couple things to kind of talk about before we begin our discussion on uh, Kobe Bryant and his Achilles tendon rupture and the difference between barefoot shoes and minimalist shoes and traditional shoes. And uh, so I'm here today trying to get um, and promote healthcare reform and uh, met a really nice guy and uh, just kind of disappointed that due to lawyers and liability that um, we will not have our interviewee today on healthcare reform but you know there's just so many problems in today's age in our country about people suing this and suing that for all sorts of stupid reasons uh, this just become out of control and I just don't understand I'm just a doctor trying to help promote to people educate people on health care and foot problems and sport injuries and such and and I'm just doing this for free I'm not doing this to make money I'm doing this because I enjoy doing this and nothing against the insurance agent or anything like that and he's a great guy but I'm not gonna mention any names but it's just that the lawyers out there that hear this that listen to me you know, we need you, but we don't need you that much. I mean, really, I mean, you you can't sue everybody. Everybody's too sue happy and everybody wants to make a quick buck and it just doesn't work that way. It's going to come back to bite you in the ass eventually. So 
Um, just a little something that uh, I wanted to mention. So here we go. We're going to talk about uh, the minimalist shoes, the the Vibrams, the 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 shoes that look like feet uh, that have the five toes. Um, they're excellent shoes, uh, especially for experienced runners. And um, the history of that is that people think that this is a $500 million industry over the last 10 years and people have gone crazy over barefoot running. And I totally get it. I mean, um, grounding is a big thing and I'm a big, big promoter of grounding. And that what that means is getting outside, feeling the earth, touching the ground with your two bare feet. Um, I don't know about you, but every time I go on vacation to like say the beach back to my home in New Jersey or or even in the Caribbean where I got married with my beautiful wife when you put your bare feet into that sand you feel a connection to the earth and and I think it's there's definitely something scientific that's going on the the electrons in your body the those bad things that are going on in your body are escaping and the earth's kind of absorbing that energy that bad energy and i really do believe in that um to an extent and uh so once in a while just go outside on a nice day or even a cool day and put your feet take your socks and shoes off and just grab that grass in the ground make sure there's no dog poop or anything around and just stand for there for about four or five minutes and then go inside and do that at least once or twice a day if you can and you'll feel more energy in your body and you might feel more refreshed and energized so anyway so the minimalist shoes there's barefoot shoes and then there's minimalist shoes and the difference is is the thickness of the heel the the, the stuff that's in the heel the heel height we call it the drop the drop is the difference between the back of the foot the height of the back of the foot of the sole and the front of the foot of the sole and the difference so the higher the back of the foot you're going to be pointed downhill so your feet are going to be pointed forward kind of like a ballerina doing on point if you can imagine that's kind of exaggerated but your toes are pointed down and we call that equinus so when your shoe has a a greater drop you're going to be pointed down which makes your achilles tendon tight which as a podiatrist we always always talk about the importance of stretching the achilles tendon and the posterior muscles of the calf so with minimalist shoes and barefoot shoes barefoot shoes have more of a zero drop where it's even between the rear foot and the forefoot and a minimalist shoe might have a zero but it might go up to two three four five six seven like the nike freeze the nike freeze are a good middle of the round uh realm minimalist shoe that we uh, like to try if you're a beginner and you want to use barefoot shoes so again you know i recommend on those beginner uh runners that want to uh you know go with this new wave um and uh, trying out these barefoot shoes and minimalist shoes is uh you know try starting out with the uh, minimalist shoes such as the nike free um or, or even like a, a, a New Balance Minimus shoe that's got a little bit of thickness and a little bit of a drop to it. Um, and uh, start out really slow. They always say about 10% of your 
normal month weekly mileage and increase it by 10% so every week um, and and start out running on softer uh, terrains and slowly uh, to decrease the chance of overuse injury um, you know overuse injuries are really common with these uh, barefoot type shoes the most common is stress fractures of the metatarsals um, injuries that are in the forefoot because uh, most of these people that run barefooted and minim with minimalist shoes, they're not heel strikers. They're, they become more midfoot strikers. So when you land and hit the ground, you're landing more on the middle and the ball of your foot versus the heel. And so that's important too. Uh, when people with traditional shoes, that's the problem is traditional shoes have a really thick heel and a bigger drop. So people are landing more on their heels. And they say that the heel is not really meant to land on um, because that's going to um, cause more injuries to plantar fasciitis and heel um, stress fractures and bruising of the heel and such. And uh, so that's why minimalist shoes and barefoot shoes have become popular is because they state that your natural foot mechanics um, that promotes the normal natural pronation to control the foot and um, help you with um, uh, shock absorbance of your body is more natural with a barefoot shoe and minimalist shoe than it is with a traditional shoe. So again, uh, I do promote the barefoot shoes, but only on select people. Um, just remember, if you're wearing barefoot shoes, you're going to take shorter strides. It's going to reduce the heel strike, so you're going to have less heel pain but you might have more forefoot pain and cause of other problems. So again, begin slow. Uh, and uh, uh, last thing, uh, there was a study that was done with about 19 runners that used um, these barefoot shoes. And for about 10 weeks, they all ran their normal routine. And they all went through the protocol of the Vibram uh, five toe shoes that are stated on their website and 10 out of the 19 people ended up with problems and they diagnosed it with an MRI. They did an MRI before they started the 10 week program and then an MRI after the 10 week program and 10 of the 19 people had some sort of forefoot problem whether it was a stress fracture or other issues of the foot and so that just shows you that you have to be really careful on the types of terrain that you run on and taking your time with these types of shoes. I do recommend trying them out again on softer terrain, using them maybe at home for a few minutes a day, maybe go to the gym and use them, but don't use them right away just like you regularly do your, your typical traditional shoes. Next, we're going to talk about Kobe Bryant of the Los Angeles Lakers. This 34-year-old phenomenal athlete um, tore his, ruptured his Achilles tendon back in April this year, 2013. Um, he recently signed a two-year extension to his contract. I'm not a big um, basketball uh, fan, um, but I wanted to kind of promote 
sports in general since I love baseball. Um, I do watch a little NFL football, but I'm more into baseball. But I wanted to kind of broaden the horizons a little bit and talk about uh, a basketball star. And the reason is, uh, you know, Achilles tendon problems are a big component in my practice. And um, I don't see a lot of Achilles tendon ruptures as I'm not part of a sports medic- medical group or any sort of team doctor. But uh, in in residency training, we did see a few and in studying, it's really important, and we learned a lot about it. So my thing is that Kobe Bryant, being 34 years old, um, he's only six months, seven months out of surgery from an Achilles tendon complete rupture. I don't think he's going to be quite up to par this season. I think Achilles tendon ruptures and these type of elite athletes are going to take at least one full year to get that full uh, strength back and sometimes they don't even get that 100% back to normal. Um, there are other examples. Uh, Dan Marino of the uh, Miami Dolphins back in 1992-1993 um, also tore his Achilles tendon. He was real famous for it but he did have a great comeback that following season and it took him about a year. Um, I think he was comeback player of the year and he, and he went to another Pro Bowl. Um, another guy, Isaiah Thomas, he had an injury when he was uh, toward the end of his career, and he didn't return. That was the end of his career. Another guy, Dominique Wilkins, everybody remembers him from the dunking contest back in the 80s and 90s, back in the Michael Jordan days. Well, he was 32, uh, and Kobe Bryant's 34. Well, 32, a couple years younger. Um, he had a few more years, maybe about, I don't know, five or six more years after that. It, it, it took him about a year to get back to normal. Um, He did okay, but he was a little bit younger. Um, He played much less games than Kobe Bryant did. I think Kobe Bryant started when he was 18 or 19 in the, in the NBA. I think uh, Dominique Wilkins uh, started a little bit later. So he had a lot less um, uh, minutes on his legs uh, playing basketball. So I think he was a little more fresh. Uh, Another guy, Elton Brand, um, he was 28 when he injured his Achilles tendon, and he basically played eight games the following year and then kind of declined after that. Didn't hear much about him. Um, Chauncey Billups, Terrell Suggs in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, of course I've always got to mention baseball, but Mr. Ryan Howard of the Phillies, even though I don't really enjoy talking about the Phillies and promoting them, but but in uh, everybody remembers uh, being a Cardinals fan, Game 5, of the NLDS uh, against my car, my hometown Cardinals, um, his the last out of the game uh, hit a hit a grounder and um, grounded out, and as he was running to first base, ripped his Achilles tendon, and and a year later, he had a horrible year. Um, last year, I think he his second year back, he I think he's he did a little better, but uh, he's not the same. So again, the story goes. Um, in Greek mythology, if anybody's heard of the uh, Achilles uh, guy, and the the um, Achilles was the uh, warrior who um, was uh, basically unstoppable, and the reason why he was nobody could kill him because uh, uh, his mom, uh, the Greek in the Greek mythology story. Um, basically uh, was told that he was going to be killed at a young age. 
So she took him, grabbed him by his ankle around his, his Achilles tendon, dipped him into this river of sticks that supposedly made him invincible, and, um, and, and dipped him in and, and pulled him out. So most of his body was, was pretty much protected in, in the Greek, Greek mythology except for his Achilles tendon. That didn't get wet from the river of sticks. So uh, he, in, in, a, in a war later on, he was shot by an arrow in his heel. And somebody knew his weakness was his Achilles heel. And that's the story. And basically, medically, uh, the Achilles tendon, there's an area of about a five centimeter region just on the very bottom of the Achilles tendon that is the most weakest point. And it scientifically is true there is less circulation to this area, less blood flow. Therefore, this area is the most common area to tear. So again, uh, there was a Duke study in 2010 that identified 31 professional athletes in football. And out of 31 that had injured and ruptured their Achilles tendon, only 21 players of those 31, which is about two-thirds of them, ended up coming back to play the following year, about 11 months after the injury. And again, don't forget, Kobe Bryant, about seven, eight months now, so he's not even quite a year, and he's trying to come back. So out of these 21 NFL players that came back, their games played decreased from 11 to 6. And with the increased level and the high demands and the size of these players and the explosiveness needed for the moves that they're doing, and the these players are getting bigger and bigger. We're getting better and better vitamins, more ways to increase our strength. I think that our Achilles tendons and our, our soft tissue in our body are quite not keeping up with the muscles. So we're going to see more and more of these types of injuries. And I just wanted to be one of those doctors to just help educate people, anybody in the sport world and fantasy sports that's got Kobe Bryant on their team, I would trade them. I would trade him for a big something in return because I don't think he's going to have a big year this year. Maybe next year. I think he might have a couple decent years in the next couple years, but not this year. So that's my story, and that's what I'm sticking to. So I hope everybody has enjoyed the fifth episode of What the Foot Radio. Um, next uh, episode, um, I don't have an exact agenda, but I'm going to try to interview uh, our skydiver friend, and talk about some skydiving and some foot injuries that might occur with skydiving um, uh, and and anything else related to the foot and ankle and healthcare reform. So hope you all enjoyed this podcast and thanks for listening. Well, that's it for the WTF podcast show. Thank you for joining us. For more information on us or our show, check us out at www.feetdoc.com. Ciao.